Well done, Overlake. Uh, good job. How many of you got all 30 or all 19, I guess? Yeah. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Good job, you guys. Well, hey, I am very excited. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team, and I'm very excited to do a little team teaching today. You are absolutely in for a treat. So what I want you to do is grab your notes out of your handout, and we are going to jump right in. I, I don't know about you, but I have always loved the idea of a quest. I have always just been captivated by it. And, and I actually remember when I was seven years old, this animated movie came out called The Hobbit. And The Hobbit was on television, and I just absolutely fell in love. It was this unexpected party, which led to an unexpected journey, which led to all of this adventure. And I just, I was amazed by it. I never even knew that stuff could be that exciting. And so... That actually led me into reading the books. So then I ended up getting the books later on, and I read The Hobbit, and that led me to The Lord of the Rings. And, and you, you guys have no idea how absolutely nerdy I was for this stuff. I mean, I would come home from school, and it felt like I would strap on a broadsword and disappear into my room where I would quest my way through a book. And, and it was so bad that if I ever got in trouble, my parents would not send me to my room because that's where I wanted to be anyway. They would say, no, you're in trouble, young man. You get out here and play with your friends, you know. Like, it just was that bad. And then, of course, we found these books called Choose Your Own Adventure books. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard of these Choose Your Own Adventures. But, but this is where you actually get to make a choice. And your choice has a consequence that impacts the outcome of the story. For example, you know, if you accept Marco's help, turn to page 71. And if you decide that this is all a part of your dreamscape, turn to page 37. So you turn to page 71. And then you find out that Marco is actually an alien and you're going to spend the rest of your life as a slug farmer on planet Ultima. And it's just one of those things. Your choices have consequences just like real life. And, and that was exciting. You know, those, those were exciting. But they all were just kind of a prelude to what was being developed in the video game world as these role-play questing kinds of games. And I never had a, a gaming system in my home when I was uh, a young adult. But after I got married, my buddy lent me his Nintendo and the Zelda Ocarina of Time video game. Uh, it, I, I just, I want to tell you this, that, that even the song is addicting in the, in the Zelda game. How, how many of you played Zelda? Anybody played Zelda? Oh, yeah. God bless you. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it just was one of those things where playing this game, I just literally, I dove in and, and was journeying with, with this game. And it's problem solving and you're exploring. And, and there's all of this stuff, including like time travel and, and everything, and musical instruments. Like it's, it's amazing. And I just remember one morning, I just kind of blearily looked up from my, my monitor and it was 4.37 in the morning. And I realized I had to go to bed, uh, except for the sun was coming up, and I had to go to work. And I, I just thought, I'm not mature enough to have a gaming system with a questing game on it. So I handed it back to my buddy, said, you keep it. I'm, I'm no good with it. <laughs> and and I, I want you to understand that even if you're here and, and you are not into the kinds of imagination quests that I've just described... 
my, my gut is that in all of our hearts there is this similar desire. And maybe for you it's a, it's a desire for travel. Or maybe for you it's a desire to quest into a specific field or, or to dive deep into a specific discipline. Um, like, for example, if any of you like those cooking shows, like the Great British Bake Off or whatever, you know that that's actually a quest to dive deep into excellence in baking. And, 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 and the point that I'm trying to make is, I don't know what your heart desire for a quest is. I just know that God, the same God who planted eternity in our hearts, has planted that desire within you as well. And the scripture says this, it's on your outline, it'll be on the screen behind me. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, speaking to God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. You might want to circle that word pilgrimage. Here's what pilgrimage is. Pilgrimage is a religious journey. It's a spiritual expedition. It's a quest that your soul undertakes. And the Bible says there's a blessing in it. There's a blessing for those whose strength is drawn from Jesus. A blessing for those whose hearts are set on the quest that God has set before them. Now notice what the scripture doesn't say. It doesn't say blessed is the one who settles. It doesn't say blessed is the person who plateaus. Right? It, no, the blessing is for the pilgrims who keep on journeying forward, pressing onward, adventuring greatly with Jesus. So let me start this morning by asking a question. And the question is the first fill-in. The question is this. Where do you want to go? Great question for 2019. Where do you want to go? Because built into the lifeblood of this church, built into the lifeblood of our faith is a quest. And I want to show you this uh, information graphic. It's actually the graphic you'll find on the back of your notes this morning. This is OCC's Spiritual Formation Pathway. And you'll see that it has three main, you know, steps in it. Rooted, transformed, and called. Called is currently under construction as steps one, two, and three to work in tandem with connecting with a group and serving in a ministry. And spiritually speaking, I, I just want to ask you, where is it that you want to go? You know, you're starting a year. In a couple of days, a new year begins. And in one year's time, we'll be at the end of that year. And at the end of 2019, do you want to be in the same place you are right now? I, I, I hope not. I hope we all want to grow I hope we all want to learn. I hope we all want to adventure forward, right? Because God has that in mind. Blessed is the one whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And many of you, as you look at that graphic, you, you're already familiar with Rooted. You know that that's the starting place at Overlake Christian Church, the, the trailhead, if you will, to begin the spiritual formation pathway where you discover what it means to be a dynamic member here at Overlake. Now let me talk about Transform. Transform is brand new. And Pastor Kara, she's been teaching our Rooted classes. She also is in charge of the gathering here. We've asked Kara to take uh, what we had written as 201 to blow it up and create something powerful and dynamic. And Kara's done an absolutely fantastic job. 
She's not only written and then rewritten, transformed, but she's helped to lead our staff as we have all walked through Transformed Together this fall. So the whole staff has already gone through this information. And I'm really proud of this, and I'm proud of Kara for sculpting such a powerful growth tool. So I've asked Kara to come and to share uh, about the second question that's on our outline this morning. So friends, would you please welcome Kara as she comes to share with us this morning? Good morning, friends. Um, this is going to be a fun morning because this is our last Sunday of the year together. So if you are here and you made it today to the 920 service, you guys are killing it. Like, you guys made it. Because this week is a weird week between Christmas and New Year's. It's like, I don't really know if there's a word for it, but it's the feeling where you wake up and you don't know what day it is, you know? And you're eating, like, pie for breakfast and, like, things you wouldn't normally eat and you're just in your stretchy pants all day. So if you guys are here, you knew it was Sunday and you made it and you're dressed, look, you're killing it. You guys are here, so well done. And I'm so glad that we're here together. I love coming together as a family. I have some family in town right now, and I have four nieces and nephews that came to my house for Christmas. And I don't know if this is a thing, but I think I won. Like, I think I won Christmas this year because I gave them the best gifts. And I gave them super personalized gifts. I want to show you one of them. Um, this is a picture of my nephew, Micah. Micah and I actually shared the same birthday. Um, and he loves puzzles and games. And so I gave him a personalized Where's Waldo book for Christmas. You're all welcome now. You know you can do that. Um, and he loved it. And I love this. It tells the story of a little boy named Micah who travels to different universes. And in each universe, there's a different version of Micah. And so he can be scientist Micah or um, rock star Micah or astronaut Micah, all of these different things. And so I love it because it highlights the imagination of a child, right? And you can be whoever you want to be. And we tell kids that all the time, you can be whoever you want to be, so who do you want to be? And we encourage that. But as we get older, when it comes to ourselves, have you noticed, we tend to lose some of that imagination and that sense of wonder. And so that is the second question on your fill-in this morning. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be this year? Because when it comes to adults, we ask a different question. We don't meet somebody new and say, who do you want to be? We say, what do you do, right? That helps me understand who you are. If I meet somebody, I want to know what you do. Because a lot of the time we think what you do tells me who you are. It's wrapped up in our identity, right? And we kind of tie those things together. But doing is different than being. And what I want to propose this morning is that those first two questions on your outline are actually related. What Mike talked about, where do you want to go and who do you want to be, are related because where you go will impact who you become. It's a matter of focus. It's a matter of where um, we're setting our sights. Where, where are we looking? And so where do you want to go and who do you want to be? We're at this pivotal moment in the calendar year right now. We are spending time reflecting and remembering the past 12 months. We're planning and preparing for the upcoming 12 months. And so today, December 30th, this is the moment where everyone's asking the question, right? 
What's your New Year's resolution? What are you going to do this year? That's what they're saying. What are you going to do? Social media, your friends, neighbors, family members, coworkers, probably strangers. What is your New Year's resolution? What are you going to do? Because we want to know, what, what am I going to accomplish this year? What am I going to prove this year? What am I going to do to make this year better than last year? What am I going to do that I didn't do before? Because we love transformation. We're talking about transformed. And we love change. We love shows like Fixer Upper, right, with Chip and Joe. Because we get to see a big reveal. We love a good before and after. And we love shiplap. We love seeing that new house. We love seeing a family's life transformed forever. And we're desperate for that change in our own lives. So when it comes to New Year's resolutions, we say, this is the year. Right? And we might put a post on social media, this is the year, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to accomplish this, hashtag new year, new me. Right? Right? But why do we care so much? Because I think that when it comes to our identity, we think that what we do tells you who we are. If I don't do this thing, what does that say about me? Who am I then? Right? And so we wrap it up and we say that it's the same thing, but Scripture actually tells us that what we do has nothing to do with who we are. Mike talked about this as we were taking communion, but this is actually, this is the good news. This is the gospel. This is good news for us this morning, that it has nothing to do with who we are. Salvation has nothing to do with what we do But Jesus came, not because we earned it, not because we'll ever earn it, but he came for us. He died the death that we deserved, right? He, He led us into new life. And so this is a gift, and this is what Ephesians says about this. Ephesians 2 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Scripture tells us that when we committed to following Jesus, a spiritual transformation took place. We were given a new nature, an abundance of glorious promises that are for us. Everything changed in that moment. And there are a bunch of verses that talk about this. I just want to read a couple of them for you today. Galatians talks about our new identity as children of God. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. In Romans we read, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians tells us this about transformation. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now it's one thing for us to read those verses or hear that or see it on the screen, right? But it's a whole different thing if we're able to accept that. Believe it. Own it. Take it. And really, really believe that for yourself. And I believe that if we're able to wrap our minds around this kingdom identity, this is what we're talking about. Kingdom identity just means how God has designed us to live in his kingdom. If we're able to believe that, I promise you, it will transform every 
aspect of your life. Here's a piece of that identity we just read. You're a child of God. It's who you are. It has nothing to do with what you've done. You can't earn it. You can't do something that will take it away. You are a child of God. That's who you are. But the enemy knows how powerful God's children can be. If we begin to understand who we are and whose we are, and so our identity is often the very thing he tries to get us to lose sight of. He tries to get our vision to go somewhere else. And it's not this big dramatic thing all the time. It's often a very subtle reluctance to simply believe what God says about us, to believe that we are who he says that we are. Now, this is Family Sunday this morning, and so I want to apologize to the teenagers in the room because I know you guys and you're awesome and you're not like this. But when it comes to our identity, oftentimes we act like a spiritual teenager, and this is what I mean. We read these promises just now, and those are for us, and God's saying that about us. And oftentimes it goes like this. He'll say, Kara, you are my daughter who I love. I've created you for such a time as this. I've given you gifts and plans and purpose and dreams. And in you, I am well pleased. And we just go like, Dad, you're embarrassing me in front of my friends. Knock it off. Like, you say that to all your kids. You don't mean it because you have to say that because you're my dad, right? And we don't believe that for ourselves, not really, right? Because he has to say that to all his kids. But this is why this is so vitally important that we get this this morning. Because what we believe about ourselves actually drives our actions every day, whether we realize it or not. What we believe about ourselves will drive our actions every day, whether we realize it or not. If we have a belief system that tells us that we'll never amount to much, then when an opportunity comes, we'll disqualify ourselves before even trying, right? If we have a belief system that says that we're too much or we're not enough for somebody else, then we'll spend our time and our energy and our lives trying to tone something down or make up for something, overcompensate for somebody else. I love that your outline this morning is just a bunch of questions. I mean, they're blanks. We're going to give you the fill-ins, but I'm not giving you the answers. I'm just giving you questions, right? It's just a bunch of questions. And Mike mentioned this earlier, but I get to lead our women's ministry called The Gathering. And this fall, we had over 175 of us that came together. We went through a study called The Quest, which is fitting. And it was about questions. And so this is one of the most important questions that we learned when it comes to a system of belief, which is what we're talking about. And this is the question. Who told you that? Who told you that? If you believe something, where did it come from? If we ask ourselves this, okay, where did that come from? Who told me that? Where did I learn that? Where did I hear that? Where did I pick that up? Where did that come from? Then we allow the Holy Spirit to come and align us with his truth. And one of two things will happen when we ask this question. Either 
we will be led back to the voice of God in Scripture. Oh, he told me that. Or we'll find that that basis of belief came from someplace else entirely. And if this is the case, it must go. It doesn't matter really where it came from. It could have been from your childhood best friend. It could have been a parent, a teacher, a coach. It could have been your pastor. But if something that you believe is not found in scripture, it does not come from the voice of God, it must go. That is false identity. And that's not who you are. That's not who we are. And so we want to ask that question, who told me that? Because that takes us into doing, you know, trying to please somebody else and not being. That's not the life that Jesus has for us. So if we want to be who God says we are, we need to start by renewing our minds to agree with what God says about us in Scripture. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you've probably heard this verse before, but when I read this, I go, what does that mean? Like renewing my mind? Do I get a new mind? What does that look like, right? But I love that science confirms in the physical what we already believe, what we already know God does in the supernatural. This is what it looks like. This is a picture of the Oregon Trail. Do you guys remember this game? Anybody else play this game, please? Okay, yes. Um, this, I never played Zelda. I never played any of the other games. I read the books that um, Mike was talking about this morning, but this was my jam. Like. I love naming all the people in my party, going shooting, trying to figure out how much meat I could carry, all of the things, and then what happened? You die of dysentery. Thank you, Jeremy. Every single time you die of dysentery. <sighs> this one was for free. This is actually not the Oregon Trail I'm talking about. This is a picture of the next picture is actually the real Oregon Trail. And um, everyone should know what this one is. And this um, is actually a picture of the ruts that were created. Um, they're still there from the 1800s. Years of covered wagons channeling the same path over and over and over. And this particular image is from a, a part of the trail in Wyoming where the ruts grow to be four feet deep. This is solid rock. And it's just carved in there. It's still there. And this is fascinating because when we have a pattern of belief, when we have a way of thinking and we go there again and again and again, this is actually what happens. We create neural pathways in our brain and it becomes the default way of thinking if we keep doing that over and over. And it becomes like these ruts carved in solid rock. And at that point, like, you don't need a driver for the wagon, right? You can just send it down because it's not going to go anywhere else. It's the default way of thinking. And if you have ever tried to change your pattern of belief or your thought patterns, then you know how difficult this is. It can feel like you're trying to climb out of that four-foot rut, right? So what does it mean for us to create a new way of thinking. What does it mean when Romans says we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds? This is what it looks like when we come to believe what God says about us. 
Chris Valentin is a pastor and an author from Bethel Church, and he says this, when you proactively spend time pondering the things Jesus says about you, you create new neural pathways in your brain. These pathways become mindsets that tend to dictate how you think and what you visualize most easily. The Apostle Paul gave us great insight into this when he said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The truth is you cannot always change your life, but if you change your thoughts, he will transform your life. So if you want a life that is transformed into new identity, if this is who we want to be, we begin by changing our thought patterns and filling our lives with the language that God uses exclusively for his kids. There is language that he uses just for us. Nobody else. This is for us, and this is true for you and me today. We're not lacking for content in this department. I read you just a few of those verses, but the whole the entirety of scripture is full of these promises that are for us. And so this is where I want to close. I want to read some of this over you. Just a taste. Because I think it's important for us to be reminded of this today. And so I'm going to read this. If you would, would you just put yourself in a position to receive it? That's closing your eyes or whatever that looks like for you. I want to read this over you. Let it be a reminder to your soul today. This is who God says we are. We are children of the Most High God, created in His image and chosen before the foundation of the world. We have been adopted into His royal family, now heirs and friends of God. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession, His masterpiece, and His delight. We have been given everything we need because Christ lives inside of us and we carry the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. We are not fearful slaves, but citizens of heaven and more than conquerors. We are the ones for whom Christ died, and we carry the same spirit that rose him from the dead. Therefore, we are never alone, never forsaken, never forgotten, never too far away that his love can't find us. We are led forward with joy, protected from behind, and our lives are marked by the goodness and mercy of God. This is who we are. And this is kingdom identity. Guys, this is who you get to be because God says this is who you already are. It's not about doing. It was never about doing, right? But when we ask, who do you want to be? My prayer is this, Jesus, I want to be everything that you say I am. I want to take you at your word. I want to walk in those promises. Not more, not less, not overcompensating. I want to be all of who you say I am. And guys, I'm not saying this this morning because I have it all together. I haven't figured it out. And this is a reminder for me as well. And so this is important that we're talking about this today. This is important that we're having this conversation because I need you to remind me of who I am. And you need me to remind you of who you are. And so we do this in the context of community. We do this together as a family. And so this is transformed. This is where we're gonna go this next year. And I'm so excited because when we come together as a family, I, my prayer is that we 
get to support and encourage and empower and equip and remind one another of these things as a family. And so Pat's actually going to come up and share some of those ways that we get to do that in the context of community. Guys, can we give it up for Pastor Kara? Oh, man. So good. About, about th three minutes in, Pastor Mike leaned over to me and he's like, I'm glad I don't have to go up after her. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Thank you so much. So good. Well, I just want to briefly mention, as Kara mentioned, uh, just a, a couple things as, as to what this may look like. And it really has to go into that third fill-in if you're kind of tracking with us on the notes. And it's this question that we'll all be asking ourselves as we head into this new year is, who will we journey with? Who will we journey with? Every adventure is way more fun in the context of togetherness, of community, of friendship, and, and even, I mean, movies uh, have capitalized on this, and, and, and so, uh, you know, whole genres even. But uh, you can look at Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or even Paw Patrol, which is what my uh, little boy is into. Uh, but, but everything is in the context of community. There's, there's more joy. There's, there's, there's this togetherness. There's this reality that, that you, you can't go as far if you're on your own. Maybe you can go a little faster, but not for very long. And so that's what we want to really step into as we look into this next year together. And what I want to do is just point out one verse where this is highlighted in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says this. The believers, the church is brand new at this point. So the believers, the Christians, the people that just started to follow Jesus here, the believers devoted themselves. It's, it's worth circling that word devoted. Uh, circle that word devoted in your notes. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. There was this act of devotion, of, of kind of a doubling down, of, of making a priority consistently these various things. And, and part of which was community, was, was, was this, this breaking of bread together, was the sharing of meals, was time just spent outside of the Sunday morning service context in one another's homes, in one another's lives. And so that's something that we get to lean into together. And so what I want to do is I really want to challenge us to think differently about what church could look like for each of us in 2019. If churches just looked like coming on just a Sunday morning, that's great. Maybe it could look even deeper than that. Maybe some of these people you're sitting near can become closer friends, people that you can actually get to know and who can actually come to get to know you. And so one way this looks, one way we kind of go after this at Overlake is groups or the five different type groups that we have. And signups will be happening in two weeks. So January 13th, uh, group signups will be going on. It'll be online. You just go on, look through the whole listing of the different groups that are available, and, and we'll have that rolling through, through January. But before we even get there, all those groups have one thing in common. Someone was willing to take a leap, kind of a little, a, a brave step of being willing to start a group. And so that is the one tangible thing I want to challenge us to consider. And just kind of sit with and see if maybe there's a prompting of the Spirit kind of in this moment. Is we're in always constant need of launching new groups. 
groups that maybe maybe you want to want to find other people that love to run together. And so you want a Saturday morning running group, or it could be just people that you just break bread with. You just have a meal every other Sunday night in your home. You got to eat anyways. Invite some other Overlakers that maybe live in the neighborhood near you, and 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 you just have a meal. Maybe you discuss what you heard on Sunday morning, or there's 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 different kinds you can serve together in different ways. But 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 starting a group is a cha- tangible way that we can go after this. Uh, the 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 thought. I'll end with this. Just a, a quick story. Uh, did anyone travel? Anyone get out of town for Christmas? Anybody? Yeah. Ooh, quite a few. Anybody drive over the pass? Uh, yeah. All right. There's a few of us that ventured over. Uh, my wife and I, we were in Spokane and got to hang out with with our families and the nieces and the nephews. And and one of my nephews, Cooper. Uh, he had a great story from this summer. Cooper. Cooper's a, he's super fun. Uh, he he gets this idea of of kind of rallying a group together and and kind of taking a leap of faith. Uh, he, he he maybe was 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 a little off as to how how it got applied, but what he what he did was he rallied all the different neighborhood kids and so all these different kindergartners, first graders. He kind of rallied them all and he led them on a neighborhood prank. And they just ding you just ring the doorbell and you ditch the person. And so we've probably all done it. But he hit the cul-de-sac in Liberty Lake out there in Spokane Valley pretty good. He just hit this house, ring the doorbell, they would all run, kind of laugh as the person opened, no one's there. And then they got to the house next to Jake and Alicia's, my my brother and sister-in-law. And they'd never seen a doorbell this fancy, but it was a nice black box with like a glowing circle. And so they press it and it like talks to them and they're just like, ooh, this is fun, you know. And so they're getting all distracted. They just kind of keep ringing this thing. Nobody's home. Nobody's coming. They're just having all kinds of fun. And, and, and then come to realize when the neighbor comes home and talks to Cooper's mom, Alicia, he shares with her this picture of what his phone just kept going going off. That's Cooper's first mugshot right there with everybody in the background. I love it. I love it. So, so what I'm not saying is let's go prank our neighborhoods. That's, a, that's, not, that's, a, that, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is let's take a little risk this year. Let's, take, let's get a little skin in the game when it talks about creating community. We talk about this place being a family. That means it's on all of us, that we're devoted. It requires that all of us are devoted to this thing. When we talk about connection is everything, that's something that all of us have to lean into, not just one person. And so as you're thinking about, before groups start, again, sign-ups in a couple weeks, think about maybe there's an opportunity for you, for your family, and maybe it's with the, the people that ser- sit near you in the row. Maybe it's with people you met at a park party this summer or someone you went through rooted with. Or someone you know from the gathering or, or, or something else. But, but maybe there's an opportunity to start a new form of community. A new group that other people can sign up for and get plugged into. Let's do this. I'd love to close us in a word of prayer. And then we'll continue to worship together. Lord, I want to thank you so much for just the joy it is to be here. In the presence of family. The joy it is to, to, to sit under good teaching of, of, of Pastor Kara, of Pastor Mike, to, to worship together, to partake of communion, being reminded that you are in us. And so, Lord, I just pray over the whole Overlake family right now, would, would you just cover us with, with just a vision for what our lives could look like as we head into this new year? Where would it be that you would d- invite us to go? What would it look like to draw nearer to you this year? 
Who would you be inviting us to become? And lastly, Lord, who are you inviting us to journey with? Lord, would you just begin to reveal what these things look like individually for each of us? We love you. We praise you. We are so grateful for you and what you've done for us. In your name.